Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. For emotional whiplash in the workplace, the number one thing that we see helps is when you really have a space for connection and and true communication. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous Dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite podcast, the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always by my partner in crime, Chad Sowash. And today we are just giddy, giddy to have Tracy Lovejoy (laughs) and Shannon Lucas back on the show. Again? Again, again, again. They're the authors of Move Fast, Break Shit, and Burnout. Probably our favorite book title of the year. They're also with Catalyst Constellations. Tracy and Shannon, you came back. Have you had your mental health checked? (laughs) We got so much feedback. So much feedback from our first conversation. We had to have you back, literally. Oh, my God. So much love. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's sexy kind of. So much love. I literally had half a dozen calls where your book was in the background. Wow. And I was like, what's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, dude, I loved that episode. They were talking about me. Seriously. That's how my brain works, right? So there are all these people who listen to the podcast, actually bought the book. They enjoyed it. And I was like, shit, we've got to have you guys back. So thanks for coming back. Well, thank you for the ego stroke. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah. So what's got you guys all juiced up these days or since we last talked? The thing that has us the most wound up lately, we just gave a talk uh, last week when we we did a summit, we called emotional whiplash, right? Certainly in the US, we've seen this, this crazy time where in June, the Gallup organization put out these statistics about how Americans felt like they were thriving 
for the first time, certainly since pre-pandemic, but it's the highest that they have recorded in 13 years of, of checking this as a statistic. And then in July, we had all these headlines begin to hit, right? That Delta across Africa was unstoppable, that organizations like Apple and Asana and Amazon and Google were all delaying their return to the office from fall till a little bit later, even into 2022. Mm-hmm. We begin to see lockdowns in Australia. We're seeing the CDC go back and forth with, you know, mass regulations. And so there's this emotional whiplash that starts happening for us. And by the end of July, Gallup did a different poll and they said, you know, do you feel like COVID is getting better? Mm. And they had asked that same question in June and 3% of American adults that were, you know, the population sample said, we think uh, 97% of us think it's getting better. And then by July, only 50% feel like it's getting better. So we see this huge gap. Yes, yes. It's it's horrible. It's horrible. Let's throw back real quick. For all those listeners who didn't get a chance yet to listen to the first podcast, tell us a little bit about yourself, the company, and the book. Because when you say we, we're talking about everybody, but also we want to talk about how it's affecting catalysts, right? So go ahead. Right. Perfect. So, hey, I am Tracy Lovejoy, the very proud co-CEO with Shannon Lucas, who is also here with us. And we really focus on people who are natural change makers in the world that we call catalysts. We published our first book, as you mentioned, in October of last year, Move Fast, Break, Ship, Burn Out, which is our ode to catalysts, to the fire starters out there in the world. Uh, And it's the depth of understanding from the research we've done of what is it that makes us tick And how can we be more effective in this world where we really see all these opportunities to make positive change? One of the big challenges we face as a population are really frequent cycles of burnout because we're running so hard all the time at these things that that we see. And so in the book, we're talking about how can you continue to do these things that feel you're born to do without the depth of burnout and without the frequency. So it's a little bit about us. But enough about you. Let's talk about Chad. <laughs> Our favorite topic, us. Yes. So you mentioned you mentioned the the head fake, and I think that's super uh, super interesting because for me, I was I was talking about the summer of love on the show, right? I was like, we're all going to be vaxxed. It's going to be a party. It's going to be concerts again, sporting events, right? And lo and behold, not so much. So now yeah. I'm dealing with, and I'm sure everyone else is that thought the same of like, eh, maybe not so fast. And I fear the day if the world goes back into lockdown, because I think there may be pitchforks and, uh, us, you know, like... I agree. I, I thought that too. Dogs and cats living together. I, I'm really fearful for that. I'm sure you guys are too. That's been happening for the last 18 months. Totally. And Australia is really struggling. I mean, their lockdowns have been intense. And, um, you know, I have family there and it's really intense. I think more so psychologically what they're going through. I did go to one outdoor concert and that's what I was thinking, Joel. I was just like, we needed some release valve (laughs) and we may have to, you know, like Tracy was saying, you know, what we thought might unfold in the fall sounds like it might not, but at least we had this little reprieve. Mm -hmm. I think one of the interesting things that this means in terms of the workforce though, is, you know, when we first entered the pandemic, there was a lot of talk about, well, we've been talking about the future of work for a long time and remote working and digital transformation and all of that stuff. And why weren't companies more ready for that? And you know, this last year has been companies having to grapple with some of just the basics, right? Like, do we have the technology in place? 
do we have the management practices in place to enable remote working? All of that stuff. I think one of the things that we're seeing now is we're like, okay, there is no known end in sight. I was just reading something today that said this might be our new normal for five years, right? Mm -hmm. So we just don't know. And so as we're getting brought in to talk with leaders about how to navigate this, I think there's this super interesting thread about the future of work. Yeah, all of those sort of basic technological and managerial practices have to be in place. But really, now it's about which companies are going to be the most human or humane. And, you know, we're getting brought in to talk to this leadership group. And and that's what we're focusing on with them. It's like, if you guys can't support each other as whole humans showing up as a leadership team Mm -hmm. and dealing with each other's burnout and dealing with this emotional whiplash, like, it's tough to set a strategy and then have to change it six weeks after you set the strategy. And when you're the one holding the bag for the whole company, right? Isn't it really hard though? Because we say leadership and really we've been leading like it's still the 1930s, 1950s, right? We haven't changed and that's, that's all <laughs> leading toward profit. It's not leading people. It's not focusing on the people. It's, it's focusing on the bottom line. 100%. So is this finally an opportunity where we can start to surface the conversations that we've needed to have for decades to change this fucking vehicle that we've been in, which has been a horse and buggy and jump into a goddamn Tesla. I mean, this is, to me, it's ridiculous. I I think you're right. And what's really interesting in, in addition to all of this, which all sort of like economic science would never have predicted, there's been this great resignation from, you know, the sort of bottom of the, you know, economic scale to the top of the economic scale. Blue collar workers to senior executives are saying, I refuse to work under these conditions anymore, even though the unemployment rate is ridiculous. And so there's this huge pause as people are like, okay, Life is short. The pandemic has taught us that I want to have meaning and impact. And so to your point, the leaders that are going to win the talent war are the ones that are going to do this pivot fastest, which is say, we need to show up as human beings. We need to to provide the support and recognize they're not just cogs in the wheel. They're not human resources. They are actually people in our organization that are making up these organizations. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, since we talked, Tracy and I published an ebook where we highlighted um, 11 different stories of companies that thrived actually during the pandemic, didn't just survive, but thrived. And this is where we go back to the, the catalyst part of the story, because there were catalytic leaders in these organizations and pretty universally, one of the sort of C-level takeaways that I've each of those stories is how they were meeting their employees, where they were as people and supporting them. Because if you don't have that sort of, it's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like if you don't have those bottom things taken care of, you certainly can't help your company navigate this crazy transition we're going through. And who do you guys think is sort of hurting the most? I mean, we're, we're going back to school. So I automatically think about, you know, working mothers and parents, particularly single mothers, where this was a huge issue. And if they have to go back into lockdown or back to homeschool learning, that's one group that I think of as being really challenged right now. What are some other groups that you guys are seeing are sort of extra challenged right now? Statistically, you can see that folks that don't have college educations are struggling the most, that even though there's a large number of jobs, there's still a a population that struggles to find work because of the jobs that are available. So that's really present. That's not the emotional whiplash necessarily. That's a persistent problem. Well, I would, but I think that's the right vein. And the other thing that I, I would add to, I'm on the advisory board for the Barbara Bush F- Family Foundation for Literacy. 
And before the pandemic, I was helping them with their tech strategy about how do you cross the digital divide to address really systemic literacy issues that we have in this country. And as you all know, when you can no longer go to school and that's an option, the digital divide actually has like, you know, 10x, 100x implications, depending on how you slice and dice it. Yeah. So let's talk about the whole conversation because there's whiplash, but then there's also the conversations that companies aren't having Mm -hmm. about coming Mm -hmm. back into the office, being hybrid. It's almost like, you know, the communication of these major organizations are just total shit. And then they change their (laughs) mind because they made a bad decision. I mean, how does that actually affect the workforce? But they made the best decision with the information that they had at the time. And we are, we are guilty of this too. We're like, look, things are opening up. And so we were, we were like, we want to do a retreat. Uh We heard that our community really, really needed it now more than ever. And it looked like that was a total reasonable possibility. And then a short six weeks later, you're like, no, we can't, we can't reasonably do that. So I just want to give some grace to the leaders because this is, this is tough to navigate through. So, but there were so many jobs before the pandemic mm-hmm. that companies said, we cannot do these from home. Right. Oh, guess what? We're doing all these fucking jobs from home, right? <laughs> so, so overall, I think it has a lot to do with the companies not taking the time to focus on the human, but again, focus on the real estate they've paid for and or the management style that they have because you got to have a button to seat. If there's not a button to seat, I can't manage that butt. Well, aren't you the worst manager that there is for 2021 or 2022 and beyond? Yeah, it's it's tough. I, I work with a, a fair number of CEOs. And to Shannon's point, there's just managing the disruption to everyone's business. For some, it's positive disruption, right? Depending on the, the, the area you're in. Isn't that what we're always looking for, though? Aren't we always looking for an opportunity to disrupt? And there have been great companies who have done done well. Absolutely. To the to the ebook and just the, just the compassion parts that, you know, the question you're asking of who's struggling, uh-huh. that it's easy to demonize leadership. It is. And yet CEOs are responsible for the, the running of a business and not having it go under. And so there's kind of two veins that we have to acknowledge. There's how do we keep the ship moving and how do we do that? To your point, recognizing that there's a revolution happening, that we have to fundamentally think more about what the work environment is and what the benefit is to the workers more than a paycheck. And so there's this balance that has to happen and yet in a very finite amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I don't at all disagree with you. And my favorite leaders are doing this. And this is what you see in the ebook that Shannon's pointing to that we just published that the companies that simultaneously were like, we have to totally rethink who we are as a business, but we know we can't do that without taking care of you and your mental well-being and making sure you feel safe in your life and here at work. Yeah. Then those were the companies that we see thriving. But it's hard. It's hard to do that. Can we dissect the word burnout for just just a second? I think historically when I, when people hear burnout, they maybe think, you know, like, oh what a pussy. Like suck it up and like, mm-hmm. you know, rub some dirt on it and get back in the game. Whereas today I think I think we're reevaluating like this is a real mental challenge. This is a real thing people deal with. Oh yeah. So can you talk a little bit about what burnout is in terms of your definition and that it's a real thing and not just, uh, you know, rub some dirt on it. 
Yeah, and that's evolved for us over over the course of the pandemic because there's there's a definition that exists, right? And the World Health Organization had classified burnout as a thing, a diagnosable thing in 2018 was added to their identifiable list of issues that we can experience. And it was tied to workplace. It was tied to a feeling of dread in in getting up and not wanting to do work. It was tied to a sense of reactivity. It was tied to you know not feeling like you have support from your management. There are very specific definitions. When we hit the pandemic, to what you're pointing to is we had this more holistic set of things that were impacting our energy, our mental well-being, our physical and you know emotional energy, things like fear and uncertainty, things like isolation, things like lack of novelty for our brain. And so it had to expand, though we don't necessarily have better new language. And when Shannon and I would do workshops with organizations, we talked about it as burnout plus, mm-hmm. right? Even different than how we had it in the book, because in the book we were using a more classic definition. Do I get do I get free shipping with burnout <laughs> plus? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That's exactly right. And so it's this acknowledgement that there's all these forces that we don't have a lot of control of, and that we don't have models even in psychology to speak to the type of trauma that we're experiencing as a global body. Right. And so companies for the first time, as you're saying, have to move it past the the soft fluffies of like, oh, you're a little tired to not only are my people resigning, but my people can't do their job and everyone's performance is suffering. And therefore, my company is suffering, let alone that I'm sick and I'm, you know, actually have COVID and I'm out. But people can't show up and do their jobs. They're breaking down emotionally. Right. Rates of depression and uh, stress are at an all time high, is reported from psychologists. Suicide mm-hmm. rates have been going up across all populations, especially young people. So we can't ignore it. Gun violence. Yeah. Violence and aggression across the board. Absolutely. Yeah. We see that on airlines. Airlines. Right. Right. Oh, my God. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating? manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the chat and cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it. Yeah. Simplicity. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> seriously, though, seriously, text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, text kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. Text kernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. 
Can you talk about the Simone Biles? Yes. And Naomi Osaka. I mean, Na- Naomi Osaka pulled out of the French Open because of it seemed like burnout, right? Also the same thing with Simone Biles. And both of them yeah. were looked at as again, Joel had said, rub some dirt on it. Right. Can't you just do your job? And I think this has brought a new I don't know. Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just a spotlight. It, it is really accelerated conversation in yeah. this COVID time, right? Right. And it's it's interesting with Simone Biles that what we saw across the week after she pulled out of the first event, that she then was talking about the physical impacts that she was experiencing related to this, mm-hmm. right? That she wasn't able to physically yeah. land. She wasn't able to physically keep her balance. And, and that's not part of the burnout definition. And yet we see increasingly the physical manifestations and the health impacts mm-hmm. that are tied to burnout, but usually we separate. Because if someone has pneumonia, we give them all the grace in the world to recuperate. Exactly. I do want to bring in too, there was an interesting conversation. It was part of this clubhouse conversation and people were talking about, you know, are we going back to work and what does that mean for us all, et cetera. And there was an African-American woman on the panel who brought up a really good point as people were trying to sort of, you know, universalize, if that's a word, the experience that we have during the pandemic. And she said, actually, and this is her reporting, I haven't seen the research, but she said, statistically, Black women are actually more interested in working from home because it's there's just less of the friction that they have to navigate in society in different ways when they're in the workplace or in these different environments. And I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I do think it's interesting that it's two African-American women who stood up in their power and said, mm-hmm. no, I'm not doing this to please anyone else. My mental health trumps all of that and just the the burden that we care. And, you know, Joel, you were talking about single moms. And I think it's like we as leaders, we have to look at, you know, yes, there needs to be equity among how we're treating all of the people. But we also need to meet people where they are in their individual lived experiences. And that's something that no manager is taught to do. Right. I mean, we get some pretty generic management skills about how to make an effective workforce. So where do you think we're going? So in terms of, you know, diversity, inclusion, equity, you pinpointed an African-American woman who feels more secure working from home. But you could also argue, right, that everyone being in their own little, you know, silo is not necessarily good for all of us getting together and learning to sort of interact with each other. So where does the world as it is in terms of diversity and inclusion stand in terms of where you guys sit? Does the head fake that we're talking about, the whiplash impact negatively or positively uh, where that reality is going in terms of where we are? Well, I connect this back to the leadership conversation that we were just having, which is, I think, Chad, you were saying like, is this the time? Is this the time that we get to actually get to where we should be in terms of leadership and organizational structures and how we're showing up as humans. And I hope so. I think we, I think we have to, I don't think there's another choice. And so implicit in that is sort of what you were talking about and sort of building on my last point, you know, you can't treat all employees the same at any given day. Like one of the companies that we highlight in the ebook they would have regular check-ins with people throughout the company and built kind of a, a feedback system so that, you know, when one person was experiencing their own, you know, their own personal traumatic experience throughout the pandemic, 
they would engage with them at that moment right there and they would know, oh, that person likes flowers or that person would like a card or, you know, it's a smaller organization so they can do that. But it wasn't, you know, LinkedIn did a different version, which is like everyone gets a week off this week. We're shutting down the whole company. Also good, but it's a different way of the, the company that I'm highlighting was thinking about meeting people where they are. And I think that feeds into the diversity thing too, like that those are conversations that we haven't been taught are safe to have haven't been taught how to have them safely. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so what are the different needs of your different employees? Because we all come from different backgrounds with different challenges. Where does Wall Street fit and fit into all this or shareholders? Because <laughs> I mean, my sense is that they could give a rat's ass as long as you know the, the bottom line is what it is. But is Wall Street coming to grips with a healthier workforce means a better company or could they care less? I don't know. I don't know at what level, right? Right now, I can say that we see good indicators that large organizations, if that's your proxy for Wall Street, are recognizing that they have to listen to some of the demands that have existed for a long time that they've been able to ignore, right? Places like McDonald's beginning to offer childcare, right? Like unheard of things shifting. How long will employees have the power that they do right now? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Will that really create a larger shift in how, you know, kind of power is distributed in the United States? It feels unlikely, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Uh, I don't see evidence right now. We've toppled the man, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, I think they're, I think, <laughs> I think they're grappling with what companies will be successful based on work from home or technologies that can uh, could support that. Agreed. But I, I think they have yet to sort of think about what does that mean to the worker psyche and which companies are supporting that better than others and does it impact the bottom line? I think we're not there yet. I would love to go down that rabbit hole for a minute because there's a couple interesting points there. So the business roundtables redefinition basically of, you know, moving to stakeholder capitalism is a first good step. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they include thinking about the employees and their well-being as in part of that conversation. We're sort of at that moment you could make the correlation to the sustainability movement 20 years ago, like how much of that is lip service. They, you know, they came up with that on their own. So there is some external pressure for them to be articulating that at least as a vision, even if they're not moving into it. I do think pretty quickly and, and giving this sort of talent place that we're at, it will prove out. So like, you know, if you looked at companies that had stronger commitments to sustainability reporting, just the reporting alone, they were outperforming their competitors on the Dow Sustainability Index. So you start to get the metrics mm-hmm. that then justify from, from the early adopters that then justify, you know, why different companies should be making different investments in that. I would also say the thing that's very alive and present this week is the IPCC's, you know, latest report on we're fucked from a climate perspective. Uh, and you can't you can't disconnect this from employee well-being. Like I was up all last night thinking about it because in Colorado, I literally can't breathe outside, you know. Just to clarify, the fires. Yeah, the fires, yeah, from California. I'm in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And we have a huge global audience, so they may not know what's going on in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Greece is burning as well. And Turkey. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bad. And so I think if you come back full circle, like our, our well-being as a species, businesses can no longer ignore. And so the the case is being made, like the most adaptive agile leaders are the ones that are going to help hopefully humanity navigate through all of this. And this is a distinction into your question, Joel. Again, I don't know if it's at what level it is, but Shannon and I see this a lot because there's a certain type of leader that brings us in. 
So there's companies that I can read about that are looking at like, okay, what is it that is going to attract talent? Mm-hmm. Check, check, check. Let me put it in place. And then there's companies that are saying, what do we need to fundamentally shift in our culture uh-huh. to sustain and create a, a safe environment for constant innovation and to be ready for the next disruption? Mm-hmm. Those are two different pathways. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So in starting to wrap up, I'd like to get some tips for catalysts that are out there and then the managers of catalysts, because we are, as you had said, in a state of whiplash and and it was bad enough being locked down in COVID in the first place, but now we're, we don't know where we're at and we're in, in the state of whiplash. So what are your tips for catalysts? And then what are your tips for people who actually have to manage those individuals? You want to take one, Tracy, and I'll take the other? Yeah, I'll start a bit broader for humans that Zoom has been a really strange environment to support connection. Yes. And so for emotional whiplash in the workplace, the number one thing that we see helps is when you really have a space for connection and and true communication. And when you have a, I have 60 minutes on the calendar and we have this to get done and then we log off. A lot of those conversations that would happen in the hallway that would be more casual can't happen. And so ensuring that you are looking at what are ways to connect people is number one. Mm -hmm. For catalysts in particular, that psychological safety, this is, of course, good for all humans, but you cannot support your people who are going to help create change and support disruption and help you be ready in the now and ready for the future without them being able to feel like they have a space to speak their truth. Even if that's, oh my gosh, I'm so tired today. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to collapse. And there's not a lot of places that that's allowed to be said back to the point of, you know, brush it off. Uh, So for Catalyst in particular, if you want the change makers in your organization, if you want to facilitate a place like that, you have to begin this work. The other things that I would add to that are um, compassion, compassion for self. This is hard. No one, no one's had to navigate anything like this. So just compassion for self. And then as a leader, bringing that compassion and the depth of understanding that we were talking about, about what each individual's experience is. And related to that is building on what Tracy said, the naming of the emotions, like bringing that conversation into, you know, with your colleagues, with your direct reports, et cetera. This is what I'm like modeling it. Hey, this was a rough week. This is what I'm feeling. How are you guys doing? Yeah. So I'm glad that we brought up climate change. And I think that we'd, it would behoove us not to at least touch on uh, politics with what's going on in terms of the state of the nation. And when you guys talk to companies, what is sort of their management of politics and how they let their employees discuss politics? Or are they politics is off limits? Um, are they more open to discussion or less? Do they encourage it? Where I feel like we have to touch on politics somewhere and, and what your companies and clients are talking about right now. I don't know that I have a good answer to that. If at all. So our companies are just ignoring it, hoping it'll go away. Inclusivity, right? There's a tension in, in what you point to. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think if I have any concrete examples, and I'm not sure that I do. Inclusivity is part of, of psychological safety and part of getting to the, the positive statistics Shannon was talking about. And so that means creating space for all points of view. But there's a, a line that companies are struggling with. I was doing an offsite yesterday 
<laughs> and it's a company that one of their core values is, is inclusivity. And, and one of the leaders was like, I don't know how to draw the line. We need a few more guidelines because the other day an employee showed up and it looked like she had no clothes on whatsoever. Right. And so, you know, it's like, OK, if you know, she's like, if she tells me that's how I feel like my most authentic self what does that mean in the face of inclusivity? And so to your point of, you know, what do we allow? Where's the conversation as we are, you know, Shannon and I are advocating, you have to create psychological safety. You have to let people, you know, bring their true selves. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. A couple of examples I can think of. One is you you may have heard the story about Basecamp. Basecamp, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah, totally. You had a leadership that was pretty open about conservative viewpoints when some left viewpoint started to, to come into play. Right. They shut off, they shut it off. And then, so that so there were issues there. People left the company. So obviously that was something where pl- politics actually came into play. Mm-hmm. I think it was Spotify or maybe Shopify. Yeah, he was really direct about no politics. Like we're here to make money. Our, who was it? Was it Spotify? Shopify. Shopify. Yeah. This is not a family. Yes. We're, we're a team. We're not a family. We're here to make money. So I was just wondering if I have to imagine companies are struggling with those same questions because these political issues are popping up in work. And as we work from home, I mean, our ability to chat with people outside of work is is probably greater than it used to be. And I just I just wondered if you guys had had any opinion based on some of the the more newsy items with politics getting into the workplace. But it sounds like not so much. I don't have great. Yeah, I don't have great insight. It, it hasn't come up in the work that I'm doing with them. Well, rats. Yeah, sorry. We'll just have to have a third show <laughs> yeah. and hope that there's right. some I'm other. Not, I'm collecting stories just as for long, you, Joel. Yeah. As, long as, yeah. as long as the world keeps burning and turning, we'll have more stuff to talk about. Uh, that's Tracy Lovejoy and Shannon Lucas. Move fast, break shit, burn out. The Catalyst Guide to Working Well. Also, you've got a new ebook out that we we're just talking about. Where can they find all of these books and where can they find you guys? They can find us at our website, www.catalystconstellations.com. And all of that good stuff is free to download there. I also like movefastbreakshit.com. That's a pretty fucking awesome. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Isn't it great? (laughs) We kind of became domain (laughs) orders. Yeah. That is sexy. Well, excellent. Thanks so much for joining us again. And who knows? We might be talking very, very soon. We can't wait for it. Thanks for having us. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. 
You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.